Welcome to the podcast, From Our Home to Yours, with Nancy Campbell, founder and publisher of Above Rubies. It's where we learn to forgive in that home. Hello again, ladies. So good to be with you again. Well, you never believe it, but I have be, just been talking to you for 40 minutes. And we got to the end and found it hadn't recorded. Oh, well, so we're starting again. Well, I do hope I remember some of the things I told you, because often when I'm speaking, I know the Lord anoints me to say things, to minister to you and to bless you. And uh, I, I don't think of them again. So let's pray, Father. I pray that you will anoint me in this session as I speak to these precious ladies. I pray that you will bless them. I, I pray that you will give me the words to speak into their lives. I pray, Father, that you will give them ears to hear and eyes to see uh, beyond what they have ever seen before. I ask your blessing on them in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, it's just as well that we've got a quiet day here in our house on the hilltop here in Prim Springs. It, that's an unusual thing here in this home. But especially now, we've got to record again. We've still got some time when there's quietness. Even last week when I was talking to you, uh, there was a commotion downstairs. Grandchildren arrived and we couldn't even hear ourselves think up here. So we had to get that all sorted out. But today it's quietness. And uh, I have three Above Rubies girls at the moment. And one goes back to Canada tomorrow. And so uh, they're all going out with some of the cousins uh, to um, rock climbing. Not a real mountain, but rock climbing down in the city of Nashville. And uh, they actually went to do it last week. And um, they were all excited. About three carloads were going into the city. But sadly, on the way, uh, they, one of the cars had an accident and it had been raining for three days and one of the cars aquaplaned on the wet road and uh, the car just began, got out of control, began to just swerve from one side, banged into the median uh, and then over to the other side and back to the other side and in between semis and cars at home coming, traffic on the I-40 just pouring into the city. It was miraculous. The car was totaled, but they came out alive. Five beautiful girls. And they are alive, they are safe, they are unhurt. We have been thanking us and are still thanking the Lord for his goodness, his protection, and his angels that he sent, because it had to be divine angelic protection, that this car just careering from side to side uh, with semis and cars pouring down that highway. How they didn't miss 50 cars, I don't even know. It just had to be God. So 
it just shows how we need to uh, be praying for the safety of our family, doesn't it? We pray for safety for our children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, every morning as we begin the day, as we have family devotions after breakfast time, we always pray for their safety. Oh, and we just bring them before the Lord and and um, we have a little pattern prayer. Uh, sometimes we pray it, but of course, even if we pray this pattern prayer, we will still pray uh, individually what God is putting on our hearts. But we pray that God will... Uh, watch over them and keep them safe and um oh i've just about forgotten my prayer and um watch over them um what is our prayer that we pray goodness me i've forgotten it well if i think of it i'll tell you so <laughs> i've forgotten it at the moment isn't that funny anyway so it's a good thing ladies just pray for your family and your children every day because our trust is in God, isn't it? I mean, I just think of all our family and, and Lord, oh, they are traveling in cars and by motorbikes and planes and all over the world and in and out of the cities. And, you know, it's just God's divine protection that he keeps them. So we praise the Lord for that blessing too. So anyway, today they've all gone into the city and uh, the children who are often around here, they have gone down to the creek. Uh, Serene and Sam have a little creek river at the bottom of their property. It's a beautiful creek and now it's summertime vacation. She loves to take the little ones down each day and it's a long walk down to the bottom. Uh, going down, 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 and then they have to walk up, up, up the hills, and Serene pushes little Solly, who's 15 months, and Remy, who's four, she pushes them up these steep hills, and uh, she loves it. If I'm going with her and I say, can I help push? No, no, she will not even let me help push because she wants the exercise and she loves it. And uh, of course, all the other little children, any child from, um, you know, five onwards is walking themselves and they are pretty fit because they can run down those hills and they can run up those hills and they get really fit. And, of course, they have a beautiful time at the creek, too, where it's so lovely and shady. But anyway, this unusual moment has happened in our home, and uh, everybody and all the extras and the comers and the goers have all disappeared, and we are here quietly talking to you. And I am still talking about these work adjectives. God doesn't leave us without knowing what to do. And he, I have found 25 different adjectives about how God wants us to work in our homes. And we're up to number 18, which is willingly. Now in Proverbs chapter 31, which is the uh, Proverbs 31 chapter, of course, about the virtuous woman. And this woman is more than virtuous. That's what we read, but the 
Hebrew word is kail and actually means valiant, brave, courageous, wealthy. This woman is not only virtuous, she is a courageous woman. She is a strong woman. She is a woman who is actually a woman of war. This word, uh, this word is a word that's usually used in the context of war. It's amazing that this same Hebrew word is translated in the Old Testament valiant when it's speaking about men. It speaks about the valiant men ready to go to war. But when it comes to the woman, they translated it virtuous. But actually, ladies, it means valiant to face the fight. And yes, this is what we do as mothers in the home. We are facing the fight. We're facing the fight to raise our families for God in the midst of a deceived generation. And uh, the enemy is always seeking to come into our home subtly. But we are there. We are the guardian. We are the, the valiant woman. We are the one who is ready to fight against the enemy because we are guarding the gates of our home. Now, this woman, it says in verse 13, it says that, let's have a look at it. It says, uh, yes. Um, she seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. Willingly. There we see that adjective. She doesn't work lazily or because I just have to do this job. No, she works willingly. I remember one night at Shabbat because on Friday evenings, my husband and I love to uh, keep the Shabbat meal. Shabbat is the Hebrew word for Sabbath. Now, we are not Sabbath keepers as such um, in a religious way, nor are we Sunday uh, Saturday worshippers. We have our church fellowship on Sunday. But we love this meal. It's so beautiful. It's a very family-orientated meal, and so we love to enjoy it. And uh, it's a time when the husband blesses his wife, and as a father, he blesses each of his children, and we love to do that. We love to do it with our grandchildren when they come over. We love to do it with visitors. We usually have visitors for our Shabbat meal on Friday night, and... Um, it's a beautiful thing for them, too, as they learn th this blessing meal. But that's what it really is. But the beginning of the meal, the husband reads Proverbs 31, because the whole meal is about extolling the wife and blessing her in the home. And uh, one night when he was reading verse 13, he said, And she worketh willingly, willingly, willingly. And uh, he kept saying the word, and I really got it. Sometimes we have to emphasize a word to really get it, don't we? But that's meant to be the attitude we have in our homes, ladies, of everything we have to do, that we do it willingly. Yes, with this beautiful 
willing attitude. All right, the next one, number 19, is with a good attitude. We go over to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7, and we read, Rendering service, that means to serve, to work, readily with good will. We do it readily, with a good heart. Now, I looked up some other translations of this scripture, and I found eight different words that are used in different translations to describe this working readily with goodwill. So, I'm going to read them to you. And as you listen, just imbibe these adjectives, which is the way God wants us to work in our homes. Readily, enthusiastically, wholeheartedly, heartily, cheerfully, eagerly, with pleasure, and willingly. There we have the word willingly again. The Fenton translation says, working willingly from your soul. Isn't that beautiful? Now, Proverbs 31.13 says that we're to work willingly with our hands. But I don't think that we can work willingly uh, with our hands until we've first got it into our souls. We've got to get it into our souls first. So we have a willing attitude. Amen? Now, when we've got a willing attitude in our soul, then we can work willingly with our hands. Even if it's mundane stuff. Even if it's servile, menial stuff. And sometimes we do have to work with our hands. It's real, just, actual work with our hands. And sometimes we've got to work hard with our hands. We've got to use elbow grease. I often have to remind my children, uh, my grandchildren, goodness me, I taught my children about that, my grandchildren about using elbow grease. I often have to teach my above rubies girls about what it means to work using elbow grease. Do you know what elbow grease is? It's bending your elbow to really scrub hard. Now, once a week, we usually scrub all the spots off our carpets. Our carpets are getting a bit old. We've been in this home for 20 years plus, and uh, it's time we threw out these carpets. Oh, I simply can't wait to throw out these carpets and to just get some wooden floors. I hate carpets because they just... They hold the dust and the germs and they really aren't healthy things, especially when you've had them so long. So we are just praying and believing for some money as soon as we can, like you are. You're most probably praying and believing for something. And um, so as soon as that happens, we're going to throw out these carpets. But in the meantime, because they're getting older, uh, 
every week, every Friday, which is our cleaning day, our preparation day, we clean the house from top to bottom. And so we have to scrub any spots. Oh, goodness me, I don't know how spots get on the carpet because I am a great believer in keeping food to the kitchen. And I have lots of children running in and out of my home. And I have to remind them, okay, you only eat in the kitchen. You can eat at the servery, you can eat at the table, but you don't take your food into the lounge and you don't take your food into the bedrooms. Because that only spreads, um, you know, dropping of crumbs and food and it makes more work. I like to confine food to the kitchen, but somehow... I don't think it always happens because I find spots on the carpet and I find people have obviously carried their coffees and carried this and carried that and they've spilled it and there's marks. So we have to scrub them off. Now, I find that sometimes some girls, they they haven't actually learned elbow grease. They They wipe it off and they're doing it as best they can, but... Well, you don't even notice the, the dirt move. And I have to show them, come on, this is how you do it. Elbow grease and you got to scrub. Yes, come on. <laughs> I'm often having to tell people how to really get stuck in and work hard. I grew up with the words, you get stuck in and train my children. You get stuck in and you do jobs with all your might. Anyway, how did I get onto that? Yes, we're working willingly with our hands. And, um, you know, we do have to do work with our hands, don't we? And I think back of when I was raising our children, especially the, the, uh, at the beginning of my marriage, I didn't have a washing machine like we have today. I had one of those old ringer washing machines. You've most probably seen pictures of them and they have the ringer. So we would put all the clothes in the washing machine and then I would have to do a nappy wash. What on earth is a nappy wash? Well, New Zealanders, you know, but Americans, well, nappies are what we call diapers down in New Zealand. And my first three children were born in 17 months, I had Wesley, then twins were born when he was 17 months, and then I had four under four. So I had lots and lots of diapers, or nappies as we called them. And so we'd put in a nappy wash, and then we have to kick them out, and then put each one through the ringer, you know, turning the handle on the ringer to make it go through. And um, you have to watch um, because sometimes you can even get caught um, with things going through the winger. And uh, so you've got to be careful. And then once we've done that and you put them all in the basket, then you've got to go out and hang them on the line. Because back in those days, we never had such things as dryers. Goodness me, we didn't know what such things were. Now it's just normal. Um, every person puts their clothes in the dryer. So anyway, we would go out and hang our clothes up. But that was one of my favourite, favourite jobs because you could get outside and, 
And, um, you know, you could exercise because when you hang your clothes up, you've got to lift your hands up to peg them up on the line. And it's such good exercise. Now, here in the States, I actually don't have a clothesline, although I do, because Serene and Pearl, knowing my love of clotheslines, they bought me one a few years ago. But guess what? My lovely, darling, gorgeous husband still hasn't put it up for me. And so I still have to hang my clothes out because I love the fresh air. So I hang them over my deck. And uh, it's not as good as being hung up on the line, but at least they're out in the beautiful sun. And, oh, I cannot even bear to wear underwear that I haven't had out in the sun because it deodorizes and disinfectants, effect, disinfects and freshens. And, and uh, oh, it, it, the sun is just so beautiful and it bleaches and, oh, it's just glorious. And I love my towels and cloths out in the sun. And, and when I bring them in, uh, unless it's been a windy day, they come in quite stiff and hard. Well... Some people may not like that because they may like to have it all soft and fluffy as you get it out of the dryer. But I love this hard um, towel because when you dry yourself, it's really hard and you get a good brisk rub. I really like that for my skin. So I love having my towels out on the deck and I love my sheets. Oh, Oh, I, I sleep in linen sheets, my husband and I. Haven't been doing that for long, but now that we have linen sheets, we would never use any other. And I will wait for a sunny day and I'll wash my sheets and, and put them out. And oh, it's so glorious. I bring them in in the evening, put them on the bed after being in the sun all day, freshened and just made so beautiful. Oh, it's just so wonderful to just sleep in them. We just adore it. And so I love getting clothes out. I don't use my dryer. Unless it's been raining for a week, I don't use a dryer. But everybody else in the house does. And I have my Above Ruby's girls, and they all use the dryer. And I say to them, I say, girls, look, look at this beautiful sunny day wouldn't you love to hang your clothes out in the line and just get them deodorized and oh it's just so beautiful and they freshen and the smell is glorious um but you put your clothes in the dryer and it and it um you know wears them out just look at all that fluff you take out every time you use the dryer and it uses my power thank you very much i don't say it like that of course but I sort of hope they might like to do it, but nobody ever does. Nope. They just put them all in the dryer because they're used to doing it. But anyway, so that's most probably not something you do with your hands these days. But maybe some of you do. It really is fun to do that. All right. Um, yes, that was the good attitude and working willingly. Now the next one without being sidetracked. Well, it's easy to get sidetracked, isn't it? Of course, my lovely 
mothers, you get sidetracked all day being a mother, don't you? I mean, every moment somebody is needing you for something and you're doing something here and you're focused and suddenly you have to give up that focus because you've got to attend to another little one here. And, and um, I think mothering is the anointing of interruptions. And we have to learn how to handle them, don't we? To handle them with patience and peace and knowing, yes, part of mothering is interruptions. And uh, even though my children have grown, I, I still have lots of interruptions. I have lots of little grandchildren around still. And, and uh, so I have lots of interruptions and uh, we just have to learn how to to handle them, don't we? But we also need to learn to be focused on our ultimate goal of what we are doing, uh, especially as a wife and a mother. And I think of Nehemiah. Nehemiah came back from Babylon to help build and repair the gates and walls of Jerusalem. But as he came back to do that, he had lots of enemies. Now, ladies, you are actually female Nehemiahs because you are building, you're building the walls of your home. You are building a home. You are a builder. Proverbs 14 verse 1 says, Every wise woman buildeth her home, but the foolish plucketh it down with her hands. So you are building every day. We're building into our marriage. We're building into our children. We're building into our home to make it strong and secure uh, in God. And uh, we are building in the midst of enemies. Yes, we've got enemies all around us. We have enemies um, of the media. We have enemies of our education system, all trying to pull down the family. We have the enemies of feminism and humanism and socialism, all seeking to pull down the family. And, and so even in the midst of this, uh, we still have to keep building. Now let's have a look at some of Nehemiah's enemies, shall we? We'll go to Nehemiah chapter 6. Now, it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies, because he had lots of enemies, heard that I had built the wall, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some one of the villages in the plain of Ono. But they thought to do me mischief. And I sent messengers. Notice, he didn't bother going himself. No, he sent messengers unto them, saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? Yet they sent me four times after this sort, and I answered them the same. And then Sanballat and his servant came to me the 
fifth time. This time they came with a letter to trying to get him to come down. And then in verse 10, we find the sixth time he came uh, to a home and uh, to this guy. And this guy said, let us meet together in the house of God within the temple and shut the doors for they will come to slay you. Yea, in the night will they come to slay you. And I said, should such a man as I flee? And who is there that being as I am would go into the temple to save his life? I will not go in. And lo, I perceived that God had not sent him, but that he pronounced this prophecy against me. For Tobiah and Sanballat had hired him. Yes, therefore was he hired that I should be afraid and do so and sin and that they might have matter for an evil report, that they might reproach me. So you see how Nehemiah, as he sought to build the wall and build up the gates, he had all these enemies attacking him continually in different ways. They came to him and they tried to put fear in him and they tried to just make up all these excuses of why he'd have to come down off that wall. But what did he say? I cannot come down. He never came off that wall, ladies. He just sent messages and told them, I'm not coming. Say what you like. I'm too busy. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease? Why I leave it and come down to you? Now, ladies, you have enemies. You have those saying all these different things to you about, oh, why are you having so many children? Or why are you homeschooling? You could be just popping your children in school and just getting out and doing what you want to do. And they've got all these things that they say to you. And maybe it even comes from your parents or your in-laws. And, and, and you've got them all around you. What are you going to do? Do you get into a state of self-pity or do you get fears in your heart? Do you listen to them? Or do you say, I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. I haven't got time to come down to your excuses. I know what I'm doing. I know I'm in the will of God. I know this is God's purpose for me and this is what I'm doing. You're not going to be affected by all the words of your enemies and your antagonists that are around you in the whole of society. Maybe you're the only one in your street, the only one in your whole community, but you're going to stand strong like Nehemiah did. And you noticed how, how they'd come to him. And, and in verse 2, they said, Oh, come, 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 Nehemiah. Come down into the plain of Ono. That's where they wanted him to come. That's where the devil wants you to come, ladies. Yes, but did you notice that they hired, they hired people? Tobiah and Sanballat, they hired messengers to come and to trick 
Nehemiah and to put fears in his mind and, and to put falsehood uh, in his heart and, and uh, to just try and trick him to get off that wall. And it's the enemy, it's the enemy, the devil, who uses and hires all these deceivers to bring these words to you. And especially to get you down onto the plane of, oh no, oh no, I just can't keep doing this. Oh, I'm just too tired. Oh no. I don't know whether I can just keep homeschooling. It's just too much of a challenge for me. I'm not very good at teaching. Oh, no. Oh, no. Help. I'm having another baby. Help. What are we going to do? How are we going to afford it? Oh, no. Oh, darling ladies, are you listening to the oh, no's? to the hired messengers from Satan? Or are you listening to God? He's given you this work. You are in his perfect will. You are doing a great work. It's a good work. A great work. Yes, you haven't got time to come down. I'd encourage you to just... Um, Take that scripture, go to it in your Bible, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3, and write down that confession of Nehemiah. I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and come down to you? You see, you're up. You're not coming down. Write it up or print it out from your computer and pin it up and put it on your kitchen wall so that it will encourage you. Amen. All right, let's go to number 21. Without expecting anything in return. In Luke chapter 17, Jesus tells a parable, and in verse 10 he says, to them, when you have done all that is commanded, you say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Now, sometimes you can think, oh, I'm just having to do my duty. But dear ladies, I want to encourage you about duty. Duty is part of life. Yes, duty is part of every field of work, even in the field of work that your husband is doing. In every field there is duty, there is the basic principles that have to be done, even done every day to keep that work going, to keep that, um, you know, whatever it is, that, um, that project, um, and uh, that work, that, um, it's got to keep going. And, and it, it needs the daily duties to keep 
it going. Now, even in our homemaking and mothering, we have daily duties. There's certain things that we have to do. Now, sometimes I know you can look at them and think, oh, this drudgery again. And you can think of your duties as a drudgery. Or you can think of them as a delight. And it all depends on your attitude. And I want you to begin to think of the basic duties that have to be done every day, often the same thing, but not see them as drudgery, but see them as delight because they are the foundation of this great home and family and marriage that you are building. Without these foundational duties, you can't build on them. You can't even do more creative things if you don't do the duties. And if you see them as a very important thing, a wonderful thing, you can see them uh, and have that attitude of delight. So everyone you face, you face it with delight. Hallelujah. This is part of this great home that I'm building. And uh, I'm going to do this with delight. Hallelujah. And so you do duties with delight. You teach your children how to do duties with delight. Amen. Oh, yes. And so a, a lot of these things, too. What does it say here again? I'm always challenged by these words, actually, when it says uh, we are unworthy servants. We have only done what is our duty. And um, maybe that's all we've done. But it's still a blessing. And God is watching. God is watching the way we do our duties. And we will have our reward. All right, let's just pray, shall we? Father, we thank you so much again for your word and uh, for showing us these attitudes you want to us to have toward a work ethic, ethic. Father, I pray that you'll give us all this, uh, these wonderful attitudes in our hearts as we work in our homes, uh, as we do the great work you've given to us. I thank you that you've given every one of these precious mothers listening a great work to do. It is a great work in your eyes, Lord God. And I pray that you'll help them not to come down, but to stay, Lord right up there in this great work they are doing. Fill them with great joy in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.